There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Not Another Mummy podcast with me, Alison Perry. My guest today is Kat Sims, blogger, content creator, podcaster and huge mental health advocate. I chat to Kat about the importance of talking about mental health. She tells me all about her own mental health journey, starting back in her teenage years when nobody really spoke about this stuff, right through to having postnatal depression when she had her daughters. We talk about the stigma around antidepressant medication and why she's a big fan of taking her pills and being open about it online. Kat is wonderful to follow, so whether you're in need of mental health talk or not, I heartily recommend that you go and check her out. I really enjoyed our chat, so settle down for a listen. Kat, welcome. It is wonderful to have you join me today. How are you doing and what has the week been like so far for you? I mean, I feel a bit like, um, I mean, I'm fine. Is that just the standard answer at the moment? I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's all fine. Um, it's been a week. We've got uh, a, my youngest daughter has just tested positive for COVID last weekend. So she's home this week. Um, she's fine. And um, obviously it's pre-Christmas. So there's a lot of things going on. But actually, you know, I'm always grateful that I get to work from home, choose my own hours. It does make life a lot easier. And I have to say the people, just as a shout out to anybody listening, if you're working a full-time job and expected to be in front of a computer in an office, Monday to Friday, nine to five, then all power to you. I have no idea how that how you do that. Mm, it's really hard. And I also think that in the run up to Christmas, it everything just steps up a notch, doesn't it? And oh. Yes, it's magical and it's wonderful and all the rest of it, but it just adds this extra layer of admin. Like you were just talking just now about how you were running around trying to sort costumes for for school. Yeah, and she's not even at school. That's the hilarious thing, but she wants to be involved. So they're doing like, they've been learning about old toys and things this this, uh, half term. And so all the kids are going in dressed up as a toy, like a favourite toy that they love. Um, Mm. And she doesn't want to miss out. And of course... I'm not going to let her miss out. But at the same time now, we have to make a bloody Pac-Man outfit. (laughs) So Jimmy's like, have we got any cardboard? I'm like, no, we'll have to find that. Um, So yeah, there is. And also the social thing ramps up a lot. And that's Mm. kind of 
that's great because it feels fun, but that's exhausting. And it also means that you're not looking after yourself as much. So I really yeah. struggle with that balance between wanting to be sociable and enjoy that, you know, the oh, whole Christmas too. period. But then also feeling like crap a lot of the time and struggling yeah. through. Yeah. So there's a lot on. There's a lot on. Even like things that should be quite simple, like Christmas jumper day, which obviously is a charity, you know, event and it's very important. I was running around Primark the other day trying to find a Christmas jumper that wasn't too babyish <laughs> for my 11 year old because she's not going to want some cutesy, you know, penguin dancing on her jumper. She wants something a bit cooler. And I was yeah. like, oh, this is too hard. This well, is and too also, hard. They either seem to be really cutesy or rude now. Yes. So it's like, I'll go down your chimney. Well, you know, we're not, I can't send her in that. So, no, I know what you mean. It is, um, it's a challenge. Oh, it really is. If anyone's listening who's looking for a cool Christmas jumper in the eyes of an 11-year-old, Primark do have some that have got Rudolph wearing sunglasses. And that seemed to hit the, you know, that that hit the mark. That was was good. Perfect. Good to know. Get get on down there. Um, So, yes. Okay. So, on the surface, we're fine underneath. Scratch a bit deeper and we're kind of slightly headless chickens. Um, well, do you know what? On that, I've always said to... I remember um, saying to Jimmy, sometimes I feel like he's the swan and I'm the Lex. And and like, and like he's this kind of like fabulous Disney dad. And don't get me wrong, like he is the most amazing dad and he plays, bakes. Like he would rather you know, dig up the garden and have them in front of a screen. It's just his mm. thing, which is great because it means I get to use all the screen time. But he is so, <laughs> so good. But I was like, the problem is, is that also what I do is parenting, you know, making sure the uniforms are clean, making mm. sure all the invitations are answered, the presents are bought, the thank you letters are written, the beds are changed, the towels are dry. You know, all of that stuff is also parenting. And I just oh. said, you know, I feel like I'm the bloody legs underneath going like... With absolutely no recognition sometimes. And he's this glorious swan where everybody goes, Oh, he's so isn't he an amazing dad? And also he gets that extra thing of like, he's a dad who's doing all of that, which is oh. like if yeah. if the mum was doing all that, it'd be like, Oh yeah, okay, that's good. But the, the bar dad, for dads the bar for dads has always, always been much lower. And I have to say I'm really lucky. Jimmy doesn't subscribe to that at all. Um you know, and we and he he and I both find that really uncomfortable, but outside of our house absolutely the amount of time it's like oh Jimmy's I mean my mum and dad did it the other day Jimmy (laughs) went down for lunch for my mum's birthday I didn't go because I thought I'd have Covid and um you know I had maybe three phone calls that evening going I just I just thought I'd say what a wonderful father he is you're so lucky you're so lucky to have him I'm like (laughs) I mean all right thanks it's hard isn't it because you don't want to take anything away from the fact that he is a human being who is good at parenting right yeah but equally there is definitely this imbalance between how people view men parenting and how people view women's parenting and it's a little bit frustrating at times isn't it it is it is but you know again i'm just going to focus on the positives i'm very lucky Good, good, good. Now, um, I want to talk to you about mental health. And you do this amazing thing where you straddle, figuratively, not literally, (laughs) you straddle um, humour and serious topics on your Instagram, don't you? you? How do you get that balance? How do you kind of flip from you know, arsing around in your kitchen, lip syncing, and then (laughs) talking very earnestly about something, you know, really kind of important? 
Um, but I'm definitely going to put asking about in my kitchen on my CV for sure. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I, have I just like diminished absolutely the, not the Listen, work that you, you do? That is literally exactly what I do for a job, and and I wish one day there'll probably be a better term for it. But for now, I think asking about in your kitchen is absolutely <laughs> spot on. Um, I think it's all part of the same thing, you know. I think you can't take anything too seriously including mental health and and all of the stuff that goes along with that I think you have to be able to to see the light and the dark the shade the nuances in between everything something isn't just always serious and something isn't just always funny you know sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll do something funny but there's very there's you know there's hints of serious undertones to it and relating to confidence or self-esteem or well-being and sometimes I'll do something serious but I'll make it fun and I'll make it laugh you know make people laugh about it because you know the problem is that we're not talking about mental health we're stigmatizing it still so much and and I know it's come an awfully long way but I still get messages time after time after time either um people want to go to, to therapy but their partner absolutely refuses um for no reason other than they just don't want to go uh People have gone to the doctors and asked for help. The doctors prescribe them medication and they won't take it because the stigma around mental health medication. Um, you know, so there's lots of things that I do that are like, yeah, you know what? I might be asking around, but I'm also talking about mental health and it's funny and you're laughing and we're all safe and it's good. So let's extend this conversation. Um, and I think that's what's really important. And for some reason, I just was never born with that or I never developed that that like bone inside me that has this kind of shame of things that are real I mean obviously there are certain things that I look back and go god that I'm never talking about that but in terms of like mental health I've never had that feeling of shame about it I've always been quite open and honest about it in fact I used to quite enjoy when I was first diagnosed with depression at 27 although I suspect I'd had depression in my teen years as well um I remember you know going well in dinner conversation, like, yeah, well, I'm, you know, I'm on antidepressants. Not, not to like, not as a sort of sympathy thing, but because I was really desperate to just be open and honest about it. Mm. Do you think there was a slight shock factor thing there too? Were you trying to almost like provoke? Because I think sometimes when something does feel like there's a stigma or it's a taboo, sometimes I know I get this kind of like desire to kind of push it into the conversation to be like... No, I'm going to I'm going to challenge this. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know if I was doing it consciously. I was still fairly young and I think but definitely there was something in me that didn't want to keep that part of me secret. I've never, you know, I'm not a person who keeps secrets. I'm genuinely terrible at that and it, it you know, that's not my proudest quality, but in this instance it's quite good. I've always been very open about how I'm feeling. Um and so yeah, maybe there was an element of provoking it, of starting a conversation, uh, but you know, it's it's just always been the way. So when I moved onto Instagram or onto social media, it just was a very natural fit to start talking about that as well. And you know, it's just so. If we're talking about pandemics, mental health is is one of the pandemics that we are not as worried about as we should be. Yeah. Um, and I really just through everything I do and all the content on social media, um, it's all about making people feel like it's okay to to not 
be on top form, to not be perfect, to not be operating, you know, at 100% all the time. Yeah, which is just impossible. Um, Now, you mentioned that you were diagnosed with depression at 27, but that you felt, you you look back and think you probably did suffer from it as a teenager. Um, Was there... Was there kind of like a light bulb moment or was it more like a gradual dawning where you were a bit like, oh, actually, I think there's there's something wrong here. This, this isn't how everyone else feels about life. Well, um, no, I mean, I grew up in Yorkshire and with Yorkshire family. So mental health wasn't something that was discussed at all. People just like drank their way through it. And, you know, dark humour was the way that we dealt with everything. Mm. Um And it was Christmas and I was 26, 27, around there. And for some reason, none of the rest of my family were around. I don't know whether they were travelling or not. So it was just me and my mum and dad at Christmas, which was literally the worst. And and I wasn't great. Anyway, Christmas morning came and I went to open my presents. And my mum and dad, I, 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 I cannot tell you how true this is, had bought me for Christmas a steering wheel lock and six pairs of black socks. And let me tell oh, you, cat. I didn't need to be depressed to be pissed off about that, but it but it didn't help matters at all. And I was like, and mum said, well, you knew we weren't going overboard this Christmas. So I was like, mum, you could have bought me like a journal and a pen, like yeah. anything. You could Some have bought me bath. anything else. Some bubble bath. <laughs> you could have bought okay. me, you know, a bottle of bin juice and told me to drink it. And frankly, that would have been better. And <laughs> it was just the most, and it pushed me right over the edge. And, it, and I remember just crying and I couldn't stop. And I had known that something wasn't right. And so I remember on the 27th, because obviously it was Christmas, we went to the GP and and sat there and they asked you those 10 questions that are just devastating to be asked. But, you know, I answered them honestly and it was very clear that I hadn't been feeling very well for a while. And it was only as I went through the process of going through different meds, trying them out and therapy and all the rest of it, that I realised that actually... You know, as a teenager, I'd gone through these same periods, but it had, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Alison, but nobody ever considered the option that a teenager could be oh. depressed or have any mental illness or, or also, issues I, at all. I mean, we, I, we, I think we're a similar-ish in age. I think, actually, I, I, that's not true. I think you're quite a bit younger than me. But um, we're talking about the 90s here, are we? Late 90s? Uh, well, yeah, early yes. Sort of mid, to, mid to late 90s, yeah. I'm 40, so 81. Oh, you're 40. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Okay, you're only a couple of years younger than me. I don't know why I just naturally assume that everyone is like I know we always younger do. than me. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, thinking back to that period, people just weren't talking about this in general. It just wasn't, no. it just wasn't part of the conversation. No, and, and I think my mum and dad definitely struggled with it at first, uh, and to give them credit, they kind of adjusted, you know, they were they were really supportive. It wasn't something that they kind of brushed under the carpet. They were uncomfortable with it, for sure. But then, you know, I suppose I was to a certain extent. Um, and then as the years have gone on, you know, they've been very supportive. And I've been very open about when I've struggled. And obviously, then when I had Billy and, and had postnatal depression, they saw that firsthand. And, um, you know, I've been very, very lucky. And I know that lots of people don't have that kind of support when it comes to mental health, you know, among their family. So in that, in, you know, in that, for that reason, I'm, I'm grateful, but it's not an easy thing navigating uh, your mental health and motherhood mm. in any way, shape or form, because I think to a certain, you know, if there's anything that people can get judgmental about, it's motherhood and how yeah. you should parent. And, 
um, to a certain extent, I feel that like, like that's born out of fear. I think we've commodified motherhood to a point where, you know, people have written books on how you should parent. They've created gadgets and things about that show you that this is the best way to parent if you have one of these things. And so by implication, the power, you know, our own confidence in our, in our own power and our own intuition when it comes to parenting is undermined because we assume, well, we don't know it. If we have to read these books and if these books need to be written, then we need to learn parenting and motherhood. And actually, you know, the opposite is true. And I think that in doing that, we've given people kind of carte blanche to sort of make a judgment on other people's parentings. Mm. And it's out of fear and insecurity, because of course, we're all worried that we're not doing it right. So we see somebody doing it differently, we panic. And, and the reaction is that we criticise, um, you know, because we don't like that feeling of thinking we're not, well, if they're doing it that way, I must be doing it wrong. Or am I doing it wrong? You know, all of that. And it's really, really, really sad, because it's something that, you know, has been, it's, 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 just, it's an idea that's been created you know, I could go so far into this when we hit the patriarchy and all of that. But essentially, <laughs> you know, it's divide and conquer and women have been pitted against women for, for centuries and motherhood's no different. And, you know, if you then have to add on to the mix that actually mentally I'm also not great, you know, that's really, that puts you in a really vulnerable position. And we're not supposed yeah. to be vulnerable as parents. We're supposed to be rocks. We're supposed to be the safe place. Invincible. Invincible. Yeah. And um, it's just so overwhelming. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I feel like in the motherhood space online, so, you know, the whole blog world, Instagram, you know, um, where we kind of where we kind of spend a lot of our time, we're very good at talking about postnatal depression and it feels like it's there's very much a conversation around it but then there's this whole other massive thing just day-to-day mental health of mothers and I think it's just as important and I think that it's quite easy to almost explain PND PND quite easily like oh my hormones sent me a bit crazy and that Mm. feels a bit easier to talk about than it being a more long-term issue yeah people yeah it's it's very easy to accept postnatal depression these days again that's that's fairly new but um But you're right. There's no room for you to say, actually, I just find the day to day things difficult Mm -hmm. uh, without people criticizing you. And um... many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. You know, it is hard. That's the reality of it. And I was doing another podcast yesterday and came across this idea that, you know, there's, there's this saying that if it's worth, if it's 
hard oh, if it's worthwhile doing it's hard or something like that you know if mm. it's hard it means it's worthwhile doing yes and yet yeah. we don't apply that to parenting you know if people mm. say oh, i find it really hard they don't go well that means that this is a really worthwhile job that you're doing and you're doing really well they go yeah. oh oh you find it really hard oh i don't yeah. know if that should be it well it's i find it really it just came to me so naturally yeah oh, bore off janet like you know <laughs> let's just all give people the space to say things are hard and i don't care if you've got 17 nannies or anything you know you everybody's hard is different and that's mm. really really important and i know it's not easy to accept that somebody who is quote unquote better off than you finds things hard but they will find things hard and we have to let them it doesn't invalidate our own hard it doesn't make our struggles any less more real um but i think people feel we're so triggered um i know i am you know we're all triggered by things that we see and hear all the time and mm. you know it's we've just not been taught and i think social media has made it so easy for us just to react uh instantly and sometimes anonymously which means that you get this this ability to say anything and everything and actually we need to be more responsible for our reactions and go to our, wait for our second thoughts um rather than react off our knee-jerk reactions and also life isn't like that i mean i know that, that now we have social media an aspect of life is like that but the real world you don't you don't walk around reacting to things and <laughs> walking up to someone in the street and telling them exactly what you think of them based on like one thing that you've witnessed them doing whilst walking along the street i mean no it's just not how how the world works. I mean, there is, there is. I do understand there is this conflict because when you're working on social media, if you're a content creator, an influencer or anything like that, you know, you're told to pick a lane, right? You're told to stand for something, to be consistent. If this is what you want to talk about, I'm going to stand for motherhood and mental health. That's great. So if somebody doesn't like my stance on that, it's very difficult for them to see the nuance, you know, the fact that, all right, they might not agree with me on that, but actually if they knew me, we might love all the same movies and eat all the same food and, you know, read all the same books. But, you know, because we're judged on that one thing, there's there's just no nuance anymore in terms of allowing people to have different elements to themselves. You know, my dad, I love him to death. He was a brilliant, brilliant dad. He still is a brilliant dad. But he's also a Tory. I mean, I, I have... An... I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Karen. I know, I'm so sorry. you know, it's hard. And I mean, it really is hard. We can't talk about politics. Absolutely not. We can't talk about it. But at the same time, that doesn't mean he's a horrible person. Mm. He's a great dad. He's a wonderful grandfather. You know, he's funny, talent, all the rest of it. And so you have to be able to forgive people certain forgive. things that you don't like. You realise that every single person listening who has ever voted Tory is now hitting the stop button. I know, I'm really sorry. No, but listen, this is, but the point is, the point is, I don't hate Tories because they're Tories. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you're a Tory and you come at me like an idiot and you're rude and aggressive, I hate you because you're rude and aggressive. I'm here for the conversation. I love talking to people that have different views to me. That's the point. That's how we grow. That's how we heal. That's how we progress. And that's what social media has taken away. They've taken away this space for conversation. You have to either be this side or this side. And that's really yeah. frustrating. And also, I think that people have forgotten how to just switch off. So, you know, I, for example, you know, if thinking about humour, 
I don't like the humour that I see when I watch Mrs. Brown's Boys, for example, oh, right? no, neither do I. I just switch it off. I Me don't too. I don't get in touch with the producer, the director, the actors <laughs> on social media or hunt them down or find their phone numbers and tell them how terrible they are. It's like my choice as a consumer of media is to just not engage with that, that programme, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um you know, and there is, a, I think there is a lack of a sense of humour, honestly, and it's not so much on all platforms. I think it, it's, it's been there on Instagram. I think it's coming back. I think that's why TikTok took off so hugely during the pandemic, because you could make the jokes that you can't make on Instagram. You could say the things, you know, about your kids tongue in cheek that you just can't say on Instagram because people will go, that's just awful. I can't believe you just said that about your child. Well, did you see the um, stick that Tova Lee got um, this week for a sketch that she did where she pureed some French oh, fries from McDonald's? Yeah, I mean, um, and she got thing. a lot of abuse saying, you know, that's terrible. That's, you know, really obviously like that's terrible nutrition and she's like <laughs> guys it's a joke i'm not actually suggesting you you know puree your these french fries and give them to your baby no but people are just triggered and i i mean it blows my mind i think you do you do get more um what's the word uh you get less sensitive to it for sure you know that kind of trolling can really hurt you at first but eventually you just realize that actually it's just part of it's the name of the game and you know comedians have been dealing with it in real lifetime when they get hecklers you know it's no different Mm. so there is that element of it but that's kind of what I want to do with motherhood is make people okay feel okay about laughing about it and um because I think that has been missing for a little while yeah I think you're right and also I think it's interesting, thinking back to what you said about how you don't feel, you've never felt shame when talking about um, mm. mental health online. Do you, because I think a lot of people, myself included, if we put anything out there about ourselves, anything personal, whether it's about mental health or something else, we immediately feel a sense of vulnerability because we're laying ourselves open to comment, to criticism, to attack. Do you do you feel that sense of vulnerability when talking about mental health? No, and I think that's that's the reason, yes, in real life, but actually on on the internet, when we talk about social media, I think that gives me kind of a, a, ba- like a, a protective barrier. I'm very, you know, everything we I do on Instagram and on social media, I, I, I'm, it's authentic. But of course, we are content creators. So we do create. So I will happily talk about my mental health and stuff. It doesn't mean that I haven't processed it in an ugly way before then. You know, that might not necessarily be on social media. I might talk about it. I might write about that. But I'm I'm unlikely to film the kind of really, really ugly stuff. But I'll come back to social media to talk about the lessons and the things. And I think that gives me a barrier that allows me to talk about it as if it's, you know, like a like a podcast or something mm. like that. It's content. It's And I think that's the real difficulty, that kind of... I think if you really want to do well as a content creator or as an influencer or anything like that, not that this is what that podcast is about, but it kind of plays to the point, you have to recognise that there's a really fine line between being absolutely your everyday, uglier self on social media and creating content that represents that in a way that's relatable, that doesn't put you in a vulnerable position and I think that's what's really important and it doesn't make it any less authentic because everybody knows 
you know, we're not making it up. I suffer from mental health. I'm just creating content that helps me, that helps hopefully people who see it, that allows for conversation um, in a way that isn't me putting myself at risk. I also think that by doing what you've just described, it's more helpful to people who are following you because if you were just on stories every day that you felt shit and you were having, you know, a really low period and you, if you were just on stories sobbing all the time, talking about how you were feeling, that's not hugely helpful to people. Whereas I think that if you are talking about mental health in a way where you've had a bit of a, you know, a thought, a light bulb moment where you're like, oh, you know, I'm, that really explains it well, or that's yeah. something that can help people. And then you package it up into a post or a video or whatever it is, that's more helpful. So you're, you know, it's, it, you know, there, there is that thing of like, is it authentic, but how helpful is it? And you've got to strike that balance, haven't you? Well, yeah. And it's like authors don't publish their first draft, you know, no. you fine tune it and you, you <laughs> edit it over and over and over and over and over again. And, you know, it's, it, we are there is a slightly different expectation for people on the internet that like to be authentic you have to be giving your full self but a people don't feel comfortable when they see you in real crisis that's Mm -hmm. not comfortable to watch so and it's also it's not just about I mean it is about how helpful it is for people who are consuming your content but also if I'm in real crisis or if I'm really struggling it's not helpful for me to be on the internet all the time like that's not how I need to look after myself at that point um that's not self-care for me that's really there's something wrong. You know, if you see me in crisis on stories, then call me because I'm not in a good place. Um, so you you won't see that from me for a number of reasons, but it doesn't mean that I can't talk about mental health in a really honest and, and valuable, I hope, way. Uh, you know, because I think relationships suffer, families suffer, kids suffer, you know, obviously parents suffer if we're not open and honest about this definitely definitely um now we've mentioned the um the stigma around all of this already Mm. but it feels like as far as we're coming with the whole conversation and it being more palatable to people to listen to and get involved with there definitely is still more of a stigma around taking medication for you know antidepressants why do you think that is? Why do you think that it's a case of like, we're, we're all kind of quite comfortable with saying that guys, it's totally normal to have mental health issues and we can talk about it and deal with it. But it's it's crossing the line to take pills. Like that's not good. You know, it's just, it just feels like there's a, there's a bit of a disconnect there. It was a huge disconnect, an, an enormous disconnect. And it's not, um, it, it's, it's not a new thing. This is something that has... Uh, been around forever and ever and ever and I think it it blows my mind because if you went to the doctor and they said listen there's an issue with your kidney there's slight imbalance this pill once a day will fix it and you'll be fine none of us would hesitate in taking that pill you know and there'd be no judgment there'd be no judgment there'd be no judgment no there'd be sympathy there'd be care they'd be like oh god are you all right um but for some reason there is absolutely a stigma around it and I think it's because we associate mental illness with weakness mm. and with a sense of failure or brokenness rather than it just being a, a a disease you know an illness like just like any other imbalance in a hormone would be you know if you had a thyroid problem we wouldn't say oh you're broken you're not mm. good enough uh it's it's exactly the same thing and I 
every day get hundreds of messages from people who go to the doctors to ask for help. They get given pills. And, you know, don't get me wrong, pills are not the answer to everything. I do believe in supporting that kind of medication with therapy, exercise, other kinds of things like that. Um, but if you go to the doctors in crisis and you're really struggling, you you the, you need the pills. And then you can start to get in a place where you can go to therapy you know, if you can afford it, if you've got access to it. Again, there's lots of people that are like, oh, well, don't rely, why are we relying on medication? You should be doing therapy and yoga and all the rest of it. Well, actually recognise your privilege there because not everybody has access to therapy. Not everybody can pay for that. Free therapy is very, very hard to get on the NHS. It's there, but you have to go through long, long waiting periods. And you might only get six sessions. So, and you might only get six sessions over the phone, for example. It's, yeah, you know, it's not it's not always face to face. No, exactly. So, I think it's really important that we recognise our own privilege. Those people who sort of slam meds, we have to recognise that actually they do a job and they work. And it blows my mind that people are made to feel like they can't take them. And I can only imagine it's because they're made to feel like it's some sort of failure, that they're broken or that they're weak. And actually, the fact is they've recognised a problem. They've gone to ask for help. And that is such a moment of strength uh, and such a moment of bravery and courage that I wish we could wear it like a badge of honour. And in fact, you know, Dr Alex uh, George from Love Island fame, who's now mental health ambassador and works does a lot of work with charities and the government um has just launched a campaign on social media which is hashtag post your pill and uh i did that yesterday and it's again just putting a picture of you know your pill on instagram and just talking about your mental health and it's really i see it popping up more and more and more and i think it's really important to see people who look like they're thriving well they are thriving just because they have to take a pill every day doesn't mean that they're not thriving um Mm. share that share that honesty and it does make people feel better for all the you know for all the criticism we can have about social media seeing people who are in the same position as you makes people feel better and I think one of the things I get sent the most is a a message that says oh god I thought it was just me Mm. that is my most common message yeah and I just always say do you know what, babe? It's never just you. It's never just you. It's never just you. I thought that post you did with just, you know, the, the stark image of your of, of the pill in mm. your hand that you posted this week was just so powerful. So, you know, I, th- I, I genuinely think that will help a lot of people. Well, that, shout out has to go to Dr. Alex George uh, because he's the one that started it. But you know, it is... he, he, he listens, he listens, he'll, he'll hear this. That's Does all he? good, it's all good. Does he no, listen? Oh. no. Oh, I love him. Um, uh, well, we should tag him, though, because we talked about him a lot. Yeah. He's like my Insta crush. Um, uh, so, yes, let's broaden this conversation. Let's do it. And, and let's really make people feel that... I want to change that narrative around asking for help um, and just make it clear that it that's your moment of true strength when you can do that oh it's not weakness it is the opposite isn't it absolutely oh um Kat what advice do you have for someone listening who suspects that they're in need of some help and support but they maybe they are feeling that fear that you know kind of 
Yeah. It's, it's, it's really hard, right? Because, you, you, you know, whether it's going to your GP, whether it's thinking about therapy, you almost feel like this is like a mountain that I need to climb. And yeah. how do I even start? Um, so this may sound really, really silly, but it's almost like you just have to practice saying the words. So I remember being really when I was 26, 27, really reluctant, not quite knowing how to say it. And I remember talking, first of all, to myself in bed, you know, having that, as if I was having that conversation with somebody and explaining how I felt. And then I think I started speaking to the cat about it and then I would write it down. And so the more I got into the habit of saying the words and owning them and writing them, the, the less scary it felt. It was still really, really hard to say it out loud for the first time. Don't get me wrong. And it is really, really hard. But it really helps to spend some time practicing it, putting it out there, even if nobody's listening at first. But please, please don't just leave it there. You have to have to speak to somebody. And anything that you all the fear and all the anxiety that you have around what you think will happen afterwards is so much worse than what will actually happen happen and as soon as you say those words to somebody I need help I'm not feeling right I need to do something the relief the the weight will just in saying it will dissipate I'm not saying you'll be fixed by any means but you will feel so much better in just asking for help and all that for you'll go why was I so scared um so practice saying it own those words figure out exactly how you're feeling or what you want to say and then and then go for it. Kat, a massive thank you for chatting to me today. Um, where can people find you online to hear more from you on mental health, but also see you arsing around in your kitchen? Well, they can find me arsing around in my kitchen um, <laughs> on TikTok uh, at Not So Smug Now, on Instagram, which is at Not So Smug Now as well. Um, and my blog is notsosmugnow.com, lots of consistency there. But also on my blog, there is, um, I do send out a week, bi week, no a twice weekly newsletter um, that is absolutely no sales, no links, no nothing. It's just a letter from me to you. And it often talks about elements of mental health, motherhood, parenting, adulting, what it's like to be a woman. It's writing for women. And if you go to notsosmugnow.com, you can sign up on the webpage there. Brilliant. Thank you so much. It has been wonderful to chat to you. Thank oh, you. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Alison. I'm so excited to be on your podcast. I've loved it for ages. sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 